Outdoor Edge introduces the all-new Razor Guide Pack. Coming in at 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the Razor Guide Pack has it all. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. This is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in here. The original podcast for the complete Houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Get up there! Yeah! 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 Good boy! Good boy, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many days how many days a week can you spend on As much as I can to be honest with you. Anytime that I get I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. <laughs> Thank you for tuning into the Houndsman XP podcast. I'm your host, Chris Powell, and this week we are going to New Mexico. Literally, I'm in New Mexico, and we're running some dogs and checking out Shorty Gorm's new digs here, but we had the great honor of sitting down with, I don't know why we're always sitting down in these podcasts. I guess because we record them sitting down, so it's easy for us to just say that. But anyway, Cody Lostro. Cody Lostro is a PBR world champion bull rider. You can check out his original podcast with us. That was episode 232, episode 232. Cody's a natural on the mic. He He's well-spoken. He represents the ranching lifestyle well, and he re- represents the houndsman lifestyle very well. So we're going to dive into a lot of things about dogs and and but we're going to talk about his epic adventure to a faraway land to chase one of the most majestic cats, dangerous cats. This wasn't child's child's play here, folks. Cody is going to recap his recent leopard hunt in Africa. We're going to compare dogs, talk about the dogs 
that they're using there. We're going to talk about sending conditions. We're going to compare sending conditions there to here. We're going to dive deep into every aspect of it and bring home some key points and some talking points that we can use as houndsmen here in the United States. I want to give a huge shout out before we get into this conversation to all of those true supporters of Houndsman XP. You guys have been blowing up the Houndsman XP merchandise store at our website at houndsmanxp.com. I don't know how many orders we've processed in the last month, but it's been an outstanding response. I really appreciate every one of you. And you can check out all kinds of cool designs over there on t-shirts, hats. Man, the leather tumbler that we've gotten from uh, Midwest Laser Works, that's Bryce Matthews' company, are great, man. They're just, they're sexy. They're they are highly functional. It's a great tumbler with some great artwork on it. You did a great job on those. You can check all that stuff out by going to houndsmanxp.com, hitting the shop tab, and supporting us. Just spend your money with people that support you. And every podcast we do, that's our sole mission here is to support this lifestyle for us hound doggers. You didn't tune in to listen to me, Gab. This is a box shaker, and I'm not kidding. You're going to want to listen to this one. How many times do you get to listen to a couple world-famous bull riders that are also houndsmen? Let's get the tailgate down. It's time to dump the box. Yeah, once we get this all figured out. Yeah. So the microphone's kind of, I think it's all good. How you doing, Cody? I'm doing great. A bit work here, closer, yeah. further. That looks, that sounds good. You guys sound like shit. I'm going to turn <clears throat> you down a little bit. Yeah. Hey, that's that's my main podcast complaint. Not your, not with Houndsman XP because your yours is probably the best of all of them. But I will say because I'm hard hearing. So many podcasts, they don't get their volumes correct. So, like the the host will be like way down here. Sound is so the, tough. And the the uh, the, <clears throat> the other is way up here. And being hard hearing, I got to turn it up to hear the question. And then that guy starts talking and it blows my ears out, and I got to turn it down. So well, I'll tell you. Let me tell you. I mean, this deal here. Uh, you know, we're wearing headsets that have directional mics. So, right. But. If you're trying to do a podcast with somebody and you're wearing, wait, you're, we got to turn that off. You're just that, that you're, plane's flying over yeah. right now. Yeah, you're using <laughs> when you're using a standard microphone and a headset. The host knows. I mean, they they know it's right. a, to be up on the mic, but your guest mm. a lot of times is scared to death of that mic, and right. they sit back. And so you crank your levels up, and there's only so much room we've got inside the post-production and right. our editing right. software to bring them up. See, have you tried that Hindenburg? I don't even know what that is. It's a podcasting app, or not app, but program. It does all that for you. So, like, if you talk and your level's here and their level's here. We don't need to be giving away trade secrets on the podcast. No, I'm just I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, but it, it brings everybody's level together. I'm going to have to edit all this out. Shall yeah, we? you are. I mean, just yeah. cut it all off. But Yeah, so yeah, so we are in 
We, do we want to tell people where we're at? Yeah. I think we should. I think we should give the ranch some some love. Yeah, we're yeah. We're. So I'm I'm in I'm in Folsom, New Mexico, on the Palomas Ranch with Shorty, the Intimidator Gor, uh, <laughs> Gorum. <laughs> Shorty, the Intimidator Gorum, and Cody. What is it? Come here. Come here, come here, Kilo. Come here, Kilo. Come, come here, Kilo, <laughs> come here, Kilo Lostro. Lostro. Yeah. So there's a story behind that. We're on the Mesa this morning, and there's a big rain cloud coming in, and we're trying to get Kilo, one of Cody's dogs, back to the side by side, so we can beat the rainstorm. So we can back. beat the rainstorm back. And all we could hear was, "Come here, Kilo. Come here, Kilo." So Shorty and I decided that it was going to be Cody. Camir Kilo Lostro. <laughs> I, I I was getting tired of hearing myself say that. But it turns out trying to talk a dog up a 100-foot uh, rim rock is, is kind of tough. Yeah. A sheer, I mean, there's stuff out on this ranch that will make you fall off and die. I mean, you you follow some of this stuff, and it's it's a 100-foot drop straight down. It's It's got that, but it's, um, it's a huge improvement for where I just came from. Yeah. The eastern... Sierra Nevada mountains, like, were the scariest, just treacherous stuff I ever hunted in. Yeah. So being here, I'm happy. So I, like, understand what you're saying, but at the same time. This is good country. It's, oh, I mean, it's it's not hateful. It's gentleman's country. It really is. It's really it is. nice. There, you know, there's some, there's some, there's some hills and some ledges and stuff like that, but it's, it's still uh you can get around it yeah you can get around it yeah like it's it's very hunt it's hunter friendly yeah so yeah. talk tell us about the your new gig here shorty what are you doing there ah well i took a how'd job. you land at the paloma ranch well that, i i don't know i got lucky i got really lucky anyways uh no just longtime family friends and and uh i i'd come here and hunted maybe seven eight years ago and uh took some line hunters for him guided for him and uh i told him from that day forward i just i fell in love with the place mm -hmm. and i told him from that day forward i was like if there's ever a job opening here i want it and so i was working out in, in california for the for the usda for wildlife services and and uh this job came up and uh funding was getting a little tough out there and I thought, you know what, I'm going to make the jump. So here we are. So what is this place? Let's plug it a little bit. Ah, it's a it's a forty thousand acre ranch, cow calf operation right now, um, and uh, we we run um, Escondido Hunting. Uh, EscondidoHunting.com runs. Uh, <laughs> uh, we run some some elk hunts. We we usually take about fifteen bull bull hunts out of, out of here every year, and and some cow hunts, and and we got some bear hunts, and uh, uh, some Merriam's turkey. We do some uh, um, mule deer hunts, lion, bear, mm -hmm. and a few antelope hunts. Yeah. So we're yeah. about seventy one hundred feet here at the lodge. It's it's particularly gorgeous this time of year 
I've never we've, seen the West so green. Oh man, we've been having rains, and it, and actually it's been troublesome here lately because we had we were getting about anywhere from a tenth to quarter an inch, sometimes a half inch a day, and then all of a sudden we got two and a half inches of rain right before you guys showed up. So mm-hmm. we've got a bunch of roads washed out. It's it, it we'll get them all fixed. We got we got the equipment to do it, but um, yeah, it's just it's. It's just a blessing to be here, and, and uh, it's a good place to hunt. You can hunt for right here from the lodge, and uh, just a just. I think I, don't you know. could, I think you I'm could stuck. turn a dog loose from right here at the lodge and catch a bear. I know you could. Yep, I know you could. Yep, I really do. Or a lion. Yeah, you know. I'll tell you what. If you wanted to have fun here, just in messing around, a couple beagles. In this in this oak brush, oh man! Right here around the lodge, there's rabbits everywhere. Oh, cocktails! One one about ran over me out here at the corner of the. But this is a super nice operation. I mean, the housing here is great. The lodge is full service, and we're not enjoying that. We're just slumming down here at your place, which is awesome. Right, and eating good food. But, yeah, I think. I think we can. I think we counted it one day. I think we can. We can sleep thirty eight people here everybody having their own own bed yeah but and it it is it's gorgeous it's just it's it's a neat place but it's and and the lodge and as gorgeous as it is and everything the hunting here is just it's off the charts yeah i'm so lucky to be here well the reason i came up with those nicknames especially for you the intimidator why did you come up with that that, i was wondering that because (laughs) dale earnhardt nascar coming off that Mesa, that that Mesa today, that was freaking crazy. (laughs) Tough was hanging on it. We had him up on the rig rack, and would you say he'd been waiting for this? He's been waiting for this his whole life. No, it's the best day of his life. It was the best day of his life. That's what you said. He looked it. He looked it. Yeah, he was sitting up there, and he's just. (laughs) (laughs) Well, to be fair, and we were in a one Polaris Range one thousand with a a dog box on the back and. We had Cody's dogs loaded up, but you had said that your window was down on my truck on your truck back here. It was here at beautiful camp. when I left. I know, but and then this <laughs> thunderstorm rolls it, which it does usually. Yeah, it does. It, you know, in the afternoon, I was trying to get back to save your truck. So, yeah, we did it. I, we did it. And yeah. tough, tough loved every oh, he, second. Yeah, of it. he was he up was on just, top, just riding that loving life. Yeah, buddy. Yep. He was king of the world for 45 minutes there. Oh, yeah. He loved it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. yep. Well, Cody, what have you been up to, man? I've been up to a little of everything. Uh, you know, springtime, we're busy with cattle, all the breeding stuff, getting bulls bucked. I, I raise bucking bulls, so we're always getting them calves ready and bucked and sold and, and this and that. And then, obviously, uh, with my family, the kids, rodeos and stuff, been busy with them chasing them around all over and uh you know when i get a chance to slide out here and, and hunt a little bit i'm sure gonna take it and it was good to good to get the invite to come down here and a bonus that i got to see see tough and uh and i'm glad he brought you with him well yeah. <laughs> just just know this you guys both of you always and you guys knew this before the podcast but you guys are both always welcome here so the invite's an open-ended invite oh uh, cool all right well i'll move in well, let me see i'll get back to you when i'm moving in all right yeah, no <laughs> doubt. better talk to candace <laughs> she'd move here in a heartbeat oh uh, yeah 
Well, you came back from a – well, first, before we get to the, the main thing we're going to talk about, because we got to hear this story. But but I want to talk about I want to talk about how your Lions season went, how everything went this year in Colorado for you. Yeah, you know, Colorado was treated me great this year. Uh, we had good – Good weather, hunted hard. It was cold, cold weather, but but a good winter, and you know caught a bunch of lions and and really great dog work. I just I, honestly, this is one of the best winters that we've had for for running lions. I felt like the populations are good. Um, big toms are still still tough to find, but uh, <laughs> they should be, shouldn't they? They should be. Yeah, they shouldn't be around every corner. You should have to work for them. It should be something you put in the effort to get. And it's not a gimme. And yeah. I appreciate that about him, but yeah. uh, but no, great great winter and uh, and now you know fortunately being able to do a little springtime summertime hunting is always a bonus and uh, and uh, yeah we had had a pretty cool experience too a few weeks ago I think we might talk about that yeah 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 that's that, that's that's what I want to get into and I <laughs> we talked before so to break the news to you Cody Cody's just come back from a a little a little trip to africa and i i told him i said i don't want to hear about it until we're sitting yep. down together we haven't we haven't talked about it at all there's just been a smidgen it. or two mentioned yeah. but it, he said like, a word yeah what was the word uh that meant lion or something? oh shumba 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 that's the only thing he's ever spoke of it since <laughs> we've been together so right shumba. right yeah yeah which yeah now and Cody's already going to name a dog Shumba, so all of you listening, you're not going to be the first to have a dog named Shumba now that you heard <laughs> that, but it is a great dog name. <laughs> well, a, you might have one, too. Maybe. It's, uh, yeah, we can share it. You yeah. had a kilo, I've got a kilo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come on, kilo. <laughs> Come on, kilo. Oh, man. So tell us, where'd you go? Where'd you go over in Africa? Yeah, so I uh, went to Zimbabwe. Okay. Yep. Yep. Uh, flew, flew from Denver to Newark, New Jersey, Newark to Johannesburg, South Africa, so Johannesburg to Bulawayo, Zimbabwe. Twenty-one hours of flying. So, but you've you've throughout your whole career, you've flown probably I don't know how many weekends out of the, or how many flights you've taken for years and years. But what was that journey like? Leaving here, going that far just straight flight to flight to flight or how that how that all work out uh down there we broke it up a little bit uh ended up staying overnight in johannesburg um stayed at a great <clears throat> the great place actually that they they pick you up right from the airport help you process all your firearms and everything um store them for you feed you next morning give you a ride back to the airport and send you on your way um but uh, so so going down there wasn't too bad. It's kind of you know just a long trip. Coming home, it was back to back to back to back. You know, twenty one hours of flying, ten or eleven hours of layovers, and whew. they've already got your money and they already gave you your experience. It's like get out of here, kick you in the butt. See you later. See yeah. you later. Uh, but you know, travels travel. You just you, it is what you make of it. It's never fun. Read some books, listen to podcasts. Houndsman XP is a good one to listen to while you're traveling. There you go. Uh, and. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, travel's travel. It is what you make it. Oh, 100%. That's, <laughs> well, and that's that's something that you're very well versed in that you know, I mean, that's that's one of the things that you Did you have to did career. you have to fly overseas with PBR ever? 
I did actually. I flew uh, over to Australia and rode bulls in 2005, and then was supposed to go to Brazil a couple times, but we never. Different injuries and stuff kept me from from making it over there. Well, just a real quick side note to the African journey. How the bulls get to Australia? Because you were you guys doing fuel the beast, so you had to have the point bulls there, or do you guys get bulls locally over there? They actually so the bull breeding program has come quite a ways uh, in in Australia since then. But back then they just catch them bulls wild out of the bush, and they'd be you know full grown eighteen hundred pound brindles that never seen people, and they <laughs> were wild. Oh my gosh! <laughs> did were you uh, did you go to hawaii i did yeah so so we went to hawaii what i don't remember what year it was but we went to hawaii. we actually flew the bulls from here to hawaii Holy and smoke. we went to maui uh we didn't have the we didn't have the bulls at maui we used local bulls yeah and then we went to honolulu and that's where they had the bulls Amazing. flown into and it's actually it's a neat deal man they have they have these boxes that they fly cattle back and forth mm-hmm. all the time so they had these boxes that fold up, and and um, I think they were made by Featherlight, and hmm. and you can put four bulls in it, and then load them on a cargo plane and fly them straight over Where there. It was neat, oh. neat. Yeah. So, what were you? Who'd you hunt with over there? And and just give us. I, I don't even know where to start the story, <laughs> at, man. There's so much. You went over there to to leopard hunt. Yeah, yeah. Was it a full safari? Or did you go specifically to leopard hunt? I went specifically for leopard. And, um, you know, just like most houndsmen, that's my, my dream, right? I, right? I mean, my bucket list, if I could pick anything in this world to do, I would want to go to Africa and catch leopards with dogs. Yeah. And so just through a series of circumstances, like mutual friends, um, a, uh, a couple guys I know that have hunted over there with this particular outfitter, um, I, I learned of this disc, discounted hunt, right? And it's like, it was actually kind of in my price range. You know, it's still not cheap, but I'm like, oh, I can sell some cattle. I can pay for this. And this is something I've wanted to do my whole life. I'm going to pull the trigger. And so next thing you know, boom, boom, boom. I'm booked. So, you know, I've, I've sent my deposit. I bought a trip a ticket to Africa, and it's real now. How far advanced did you start planning? Uh, I think I booked it uh, four weeks out. Holy smoke. Oh, wow. Yeah. It, it, I remember you told me you were fast. going and, and you were going quick. I didn't know you just booked it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it happened in a hurry. And it's like, holy cow, this is real now and we're doing this and, you know, getting permits. And, and I'm way behind on everything. You know, most people have months and months, if not a year, to, to get all the permitting sure. done. And I'm just busting butt trying to get it done. Um, and, yeah, got it all done flew over there and i went with uh, a drota safaris um adrian salter is the houndsman there um and uh, well you you guys know leland uh rainier he's been over there and hunted with him so anyhow uh met uh, you know he picked me up from the airport and we go and we'd we'd actually uh we'd he'd started pre-baiting before i got there and so they had baits set out and and the plan was you know we'd we'd go hopefully let these leopards hit baits we check the camera see what toms we got hitting and go after a specific tom um and the toms weren't hitting baits we had females hitting them over and over what are you showing it's me on my, yeah that's on my it. whatsapp with yeah. adrian yeah um 
anyhow, so these these toms weren't hitting the baits, right? We were getting females in there, and it was fun, you know, checking cameras, and you're seeing leopards, and you're just thinking, just, I'm waiting for that tom. Well, we we're seeing tom tracks every day in the roads, right? Because, you know, the roads are, are uh, sandy and, and easy to see tracks in. And this area that we were in was real, real rocky, you know, uh, not like our Rocky Mountains, but just big, big rock piles. And, and they they called them copies, and they'd just sit here and here. Well, they, they called them copies and gomos. And I can't remember which one. one. One's a big one, one's a little one. But anyhow, there's all these rock piles. And then just dense, dense vegetation like a jungle all the way around. And so, uh, you know, after a few days, these toms weren't hitting the baits, but we're seeing tom tracks. We're, we're going to change plans. We're going to start dragging these roads in the day while we're checking baits freshen them up and then we'd go out you know early morning night time and start cutting roads for tracks Pre-dawn. yeah yeah <clears throat> and that actually worked really good when we started doing that we'd run we were running cats every day yeah and um you know some of them some of them we'd trail through the night into the day and you know the the scenting conditions that you get the sun on it and the moisture's evaporate and everything you know eventually that track burns off did it burn off, or did they hold their scent? You know, I think they held their scent. You think they picked it up? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, but you just had to go there, didn't you, oh, Shorty? I had to. Sorry. <laughs> but regardless, whether they picked it up or the sun burned it off, it was gone. Uh, so you know, so some of those some of those leopards, we'd we'd trail all day and it it burn off, and that was it. And we try again the next day. Um. Do you want me to give you the ending now, or do you want me to? No, let's okay. hold the ending because right, I got right. questions already about. You said you said, said the soil was sandy and stuff like that. Let's talk about the trailing conditions over there. See if there's any comparison to to what our trailing conditions here are here. And we're going to talk about dog styles. You know, there's a lot of different things that I want to talk about before we get into the the climax of this story <laughs> yeah fair enough um their trailing conditions are, are pretty similar to like our you know southwest type type conditions it's, it's it's dry it's hot there's not a lot of moisture fortunately when i went it was early on in their uh their winter so basically we're in the fall and everything wasn't dried out yet so they get their rainy season uh is in the summer or you know when that's when they get all the moisture and winter is dry so the there was actually still you know the grass was still fairly green when i got there oh yeah and that was the nice part actually a lot of you know we think africa is, is vast and flat and not a whole lot of vegetation well this was the opposite i mean there was grass there taller than me mm-hmm. and when those cats would run through there boy that I mean they just leave all kinds of scent and it was really good but then they'd get on these like i said those rock piles and uh depending how big, on how big were these rock piles like Oh, you know, to get from the bottom to the top, you're probably talking four or five hundred feet. So, I mean, not huge, but big enough. Big enough. Yeah. When you say when you said rock pile, I was thinking, here's a big pile of riprap, and here's a small pile of riprap. We're talking about substantial hills of rock. Yeah. Sticking up off this landscape. Yeah, absolutely. And the and the <clears throat> rocks, you know, are some of them the size of school buses. Yeah. Huge, huge rocks. Um. So you know, uh, then when those cats would walk on on those rocks, if if that rock would would get direct sunlight, you know, right at daylight, that's a tough mm-hmm. one, real it's tough to, for them dogs to move through there. Uh, 
but you know, just like here in the shade, in the shade, they move it better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's times when we would cross some open areas that where everything had been grazed down by cattle or something. And, and sometimes, you know, it, the dogs couldn't move it through there. And so we'd have to visibly sight track. Did you have professional trackers with you? We did. It was quite the show, actually. Uh, it's quite <laughs> incredible to. That's what I was wanting to know. To think uh, how many people. There was probably 10 or 11 people there that was just there for my leopard hunt. Um, between the, you know, the hound handler, there's a PH. We had, we actually had five trackers and skinners um, that went with us everywhere. A game scout that's required by, by their government there to come with you and make sure you're doing things right. Um, and then at camp, you know, we've got two cooks, a cleaner, uh, uh, a guy, that, a little, a younger kid that just is always there. If you need a fire, he'll start your fire. Or you need a drink, he brings you a drink. And, you know, it's, it was cool to see just that many people benefiting from the hunt, right? I think they need a foot washer at Paloma Ranch for shorty. <laughs> well, well, I it, don't know. You, I, I just you know, need pay some new, money to touch them things. Golly. I just need some new New boots. boots, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, hey, what I want to know, though, is, and I've heard from several people that have been over there, what, like, what was your perspective of the, the native trackers? Like, really good. That, really good. <clears throat> yeah, those guys, you know, we'd be walking through stuff, and you're like, we're never going to see a track here. And you'd, here you go, want to whistle? And come point, point out a toe that he found. Right. Just in a little patch of sand. Yeah. And, uh yeah, very, very impressive. And you know what was equally impressive is when we were cutting tracks at night, they, they have a little uh, seat rack set up on the front of the trucks. Mm-hmm. And so the tracker's sitting on the front. Yep. And um, Like a rig rack for the tracker up front. Exactly, yeah. I've he, done that quite a bit, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty sweet. And, and, he'd, and he'd sit up there, and, you know, he's sorting through hyenas and baboons and all these different tracks, stuff that we don't see, right? So, I, like, right. when I'm looking at tracks, I'm like, oh, my gosh. I can tell a cat track, but I don't know, you know, all these other different things. So I'm learning as we go, right? But um, but they can sort through them fast. I mean, we, we, were, we were cutting tracks way quicker than you would expect um, in that kind of um, conditions, but they didn't miss one. Yeah, They're on top of it. And they can walk like you wouldn't imagine. No, and and I'm going to tell you right now, if Cody Lostro says they can walk. No kidding. You don't want to try to play with them guys. It's unreal. Like, we'd, I'd get after, you know, I'd be following them. So there's black mambas everywhere in oh, that area. Oh, God, I'm out. And so I always made sure, because, you know, I don't know a lot about mambas, but I said, what happens if you get bit by a mamba? You die. Yeah, they said, well, you go find a nice tree to lay under because it won't take long. Yeah. And I was like, Golly. <laughs> and, and they the, said PHs and stuff running around in shorts and Yeah, shorts, t shirts. Yeah. Well yeah, because no snake chaps. Gonna, if you get bit by one of those, I don't you're dead. Yeah, but no no snake chaps, no snake boots, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, they just boogie right on through. Uh the trackers, they wear long pants and shirts. But uh but yeah, the <laughs> the white guys they they're in shorts and t shirts. Um but uh, but anyhow, so these mambas are out everywhere, and so I always made sure I was second or third in line. Oh. That way, at least somebody got bit. I knew it was coming. And uh, you want to be third because the first one's going to alert them. The, second, the, the you know, and then the second one's going to get bit, and then the third guy. Everybody might get else escapes. Yeah, maybe I don't know. <laughs> but uh, sorry, where was I going with that? Um, no, the track. Oh yeah, how fast they could walk. Yeah unbelievable like i mean i don't 
I don't, I'm not very tall. I got kind of short legs, but I can move. And uh, these guys, I would walk just as fast as I could possibly go and just barely keeping up with them. Oh, wow. And, I'm screwed. Yeah, I'm never going. They cover some ground. But, but yeah, very, very impressive. Um, I'd, I'd love to have, have just learned from them guys for however long it takes. Do you think, do you think they could track a leopard even without a hound? I do. Yeah, I do 100. percent And I think that's everything I've heard. Yeah, and I think in Botswana actually it's quite a bit drier and flatter there. They mainly track them by sight there until yeah. they get them jumped, and then they go with the I've, dogs. I've heard that, and I know a, I know a, a houndsman here in in the U.S. It's a biologist that's that I've worked with a lot. They could I I honestly believe could could catch them without hounds. They can track them that fast, like. When you when you find somebody that that's that they're dialed in like that, and that's Phil, an art. Phil it's... Johnson, yes, I'm talking about you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's impressive. It, it is an art. It is an art. I think some people are more predisposed for that kind of stuff too. Yes, you know, it's mm-hmm. um, a person that kind of a person has to be very attention to detail type mm-hmm. person. You know, yes. somebody that that looks at all the details doesn't just look at the mountain and say oh there's a mountain and there's some trees on it you know it's a person that stands there and looks at the mountain sees the rock formations the oak brush and the cedar you know sees it all yes but i i larry anderson was one of the best i've ever been with on spotting tracks that guy we could be cruising down the road and and he could sort through them the first guy I ever hunted with uh was mike ritchie and I mean, he could he could boogie down the road and pick out those lion mm-hmm. tracks. So you know, he's just looking. He's not looking for elk tracks. He's looking for lion tracks. Right. And just being able to sort that out. I, mm-hmm. I was track. I you know I was trashing on everything. Elk right. track, deer track, coyote track. And you know I'd just be like, Hey, I see a track over here. And it, he would just give it a glance. And it, all these guys are good at it. Just give it a glance. And say that's a that's a that's a uh, coyote, you know. Guys, this is a no-nonsense podcast. You guys know that. And I'm going to talk to you about Onyx because I'm sitting in camp in New Mexico right now. I've never stepped foot on this ranch. And I've used Onyx so many times in the last three days. With their high-definition maps, I can see mesas. I can see grasslands. I can see the canyons. I know where the critters ought to be living. And Onyx helps me find those spots and get to those spots. And it totally augments my tracking equipment. I could buy a map card for New Mexico, but this year alone I've hunted Louisiana, Indiana, Kentucky, uh, New Mexico. Uh, I didn't hunt in Colorado, but I was there. Montana, I've been in Montana. So you do the math on the map card, and when you buy Onyx at their elite price for around 100 bucks a year, I get all of these maps that are right on my phone, extremely clear. Landowners are marked. State lands are marked. It's all right there. Check out Onyx at onxmaps.com and get with it, man. And at checkout, enter the promo code HXP20, and you will get 20% off of your Onyx subscription. Know where you stand with Onyx. The Houndsman XP Podcast is fueled by Joy Dog Food. 
Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the houndsmen of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American houndsmen. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. For 76 years, this made-in-America product has kept hunting dogs in the field day after day, season after season. And when we say made in America, Joy has a long track record of fighting for American freedoms by being on the front lines against the animal rights movement and their extremist tactics. Joy will fuel your hounds and fight for your freedoms, fueled by Joy. Well, and, and that being said, and I, I agree because we've all, but I want to back up and just say for like the young guys first starting, stopping and looking is free. Yeah. Because it's easy to drive by one. Mm-hmm. Like don't, don't think you need to be going at a high pace. Don't think you need to be doing all this stuff. Like stopping and looking is free. It takes it's, repetition. You know, I think does. there's a lot to tracking too. It's it's uh, looking for the stride, looking mm-hmm. for the pattern that the tracks are laid out in and, yep. you know, the, the impression. We did a podcast with Cleve Dwyer about, uh, you know, spotting tracks in that bare ground and stuff. Yep. It was really good. He had some real good advice about how to position yourself with the sun. And, I mean, it was it was, it was was good stuff. Well, and, and, and okay, and that's great point because I've actually – walk down roads backwards looking because i want the sun if you're going to look for tracks with the sun you always want the sun on the other side of the track mm-hmm. so that so it, casts so that it shines yeah you know and and so if you're if you if you're trying to go one direction try to keep that sun at the other side of the track so that you can get that shine off that track yeah and it doesn't always shine, but it, it helps you to see it versus going the other way where it's just dark. Yeah, well, if it's, the sun's at your back, it's shining into the track. It's washing it out against everything else. Right. Whereas if it's if it's you've got the track between or the place you're looking is between you and the sun. Yes. You know, then you catch that reflection or the the shadows and different things, right. and they just kind of pop. Try to keep and those guys, I'm sure, are way better than that. But Guaranteed. just try to keep the. Try to did keep you pay the attention on the other to that? side of track. I Which did, yeah. They yeah, they would actually, during the day, we'd drive specific, on roads, specific directions for where the sun was at. Yeah. 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 And I just feel like, you know, the, you just get good at sorting through the noise, right? Like, yeah. all, everything's noise, you're looking for the familiar. Right. You don't have to know what everything is, just right. what you're after. What you're after. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And, and shapes and whatever, you know, like. I've drove by a track and and you see a certain shape of a toe mm-hmm. that's mixed in with a bunch of elk tracks or yep. whatever and, and and I've drove by them, you know, however, and then it's like you know what I need to go back and look at that and you go back and look at it and and it's it, but anyways, those guys seem like just I. I would love to go just go follow those trackers exactly and learn from those guys because it seems like from what I understand they are just far and above of of most of us over here. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's just the conditions they grew up in, right? They they've right. lived their their entire lives and this is mm-hmm. what they know. They've never I mean a lot of them probably never seen concrete uh 
you know roads and cities and stuff like what we have right and so it's yeah it's a totally different world and actually one of our best tracker i thought uh he was actually deaf too so he couldn't eat, like it wasn't like he really no, did get through the noise yeah <laughs> <laughs> he filtered out all of it you are correct well i guess if we're going to go to holding scent we might as well go to getting through the noise too <laughs> yeah but but no he was really really good and i you know nobody taught him that by telling right. him anything like he just grew up in it mm. that's Obviously. amazing uh-huh. <laughs> obviously nobody told him <laughs> i know I, i'm stating the obvious now. <laughs> oh man sorry that's, you're gonna have to edit a lot of but, stuff but that's the truth though i mean uh like you said, a lot of these guys have never seen concrete cities or, you know, things like that. And it's, it's, it's like kids that grow up on a ranch, you know, you know, they learn naturally how to navigate and negotiate and how things work on the ranch. And just by being there and exposure and, you know, doing the same things over and over. Yeah. Exposure. And, I think that's the word. And the same thing happens for, I mean, for me going to a city is completely uh, it's so funny because people are you know i've met all kinds of people and some people would be like thinking about going out into the woods and the wilderness areas and stuff scares them to death and and for me going to the city i'm like on high alert all the time you know right. and people that live in the city are just bebopping around mm. you know yeah but at the same good time for them while you're not high alert on in on your home ground it's still I've only been here a few months, but anything out of place, you notice. Yep. yep like, yep. you know, Cody, we were coming through the through a gate, and he said, "What's that down there?" I said, "Oh, that's that's a rock pillar." I've I've already looked at it five times through my binoculars because it looked like something out of place. Now I know it's there. I'll never look at it again. But you you get familiar with your your country, and you know what's in yeah. place and yeah. what's out of place you know what the threats are you exactly. know what the, you know you know how to navigate right so let's talk about the hounds that they were using because i think that's that's what this podcast is a lot 100%, about and that's so, what i'm most interested yeah in. so what kind of hounds what what sin hounds i mean what, what were they using yeah so obviously uh scent hounds um for the most part he did have a doggo argentino in there too uh specifically for specifically for fighting okay um you know, i'm sure you asked that question yeah, yeah yeah absolutely and those you know so leopards are a lot more aggressive than our our mountain lions 100 and they'll charge they fight most of the time uh there's just a whole a whole different deal and so not only did they have the doggo in there but they had a lot of dogs in there right. you know we had 14 dogs in the box oh that's nothing <laughs> not that's for a, you they was shorty going <laughs> yeah for me, that was a bunch. Yeah. Uh, but uh, great big dogs, really big dogs. Blue ticks, uh, had some bloodhound crosses, um, some Gascones, just just straight up big, old-fashioned, long-eared, ball mouth, you know, check every track type hounds. And um, and that's what, so that's what my outfitter had, right, Adrian. Mm-hmm. The interesting part was, and it's a whole nother spiel I don't need to get into about how we ended up hunting with these other dogs but one day we hunted with this other guy in, in his his pack and part of our pack um 
and he actually had these walker dogs smaller smaller more athletic type dogs mm-hmm. that and i asked him where he got them from and they originally come from idaho i'll be dang. yeah and i and i got the name of that guy that he got them from but i can't remember it now um but those dogs are a little more what we would expect right like for uh for our country yes. a little more uh smaller lighter quicker type dogs um but yeah some of those some of those dogs that adrian had had impressive noses though he had a black and tan that could i mean just blow your mind mm-hmm. but and what, what what do you say though describe what made because you've been around you've been a houndsman now and you're catching lions and what blew your mind about it just they could smell stuff that the other dogs couldn't you know they knew they they could they could move a track that that not none of the other dogs could smell and um what's interesting is actually that the other pack that we hunted with with the walker dogs their best dog like their go-to cold trailing grinded out dog was was pretty much the same as adrian's best cold nose dog um completely you know different types of dogs but when it come to cold nose they can find that track and move it when when nobody else knew it was there what but was they moved do- it they moved it yeah yeah it were they was- moving it at a good pace or were they just kind of track to track getting it you know just keeping it rolling how would it compare to i think it's hounds when we get we get a lot of terms that we throw around yeah yeah and and we talk about this all the time but you know guys are always i got a message the other day about cold nose dogs does this dog produce cold nose dogs and um you know my first question is normally Give me your definition of cold nose. It's perspective. Yeah. You know, tell right. me what you think of cold nose yes. dogs, and, the, and then I can – but, you know, I think a lot of times we just hear guys talk about these dogs having cold noses, and that sounds cool, so we say it. Well, I, I can't tell you cold nose. I can tell you cold nose in my pack. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that's that's probably, you know, roundabout. Like, everybody can tell you cold nose in their pack. Mm-hmm. Or cold nose with the dogs they hunt. Might not be in your pack, but you can yeah. tell cold nose versus everything you hunt with. Well, the reason I asked you that specific question is because I've seen a lot of dogs that people called cold nose that just didn't know how to run a track. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So just this dog boohoo in one yeah. spot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're cold nose. That's a cold yeah. nose dog. So just, but they're not moving anywhere. They're just. But this dog <laughs> just was making noise. Yeah, this dog was capable of moving the track. Yeah, but, yeah, absolutely. And then, like I said, like the, what I'm calling those cold nose dogs, they could move, and it and it was not at a good pace, right? The conditions when I'm talking about cold nose also is relative to the conditions, right? So, sure. Do you know what your temperatures were? They were in the low 80s, low to mid 80s during the day. No kidding. Mm-hmm. And then, did you ever get keep track of any humidity? levels there no but there was times when the humidity was obviously uh in in play at night because you could see it just building up on the wind windshield of the vehicle mm-hmm. while we were driving around um but no i didn't i didn't i didn't have any way to really measure that i guess right. i just know some nights it was more humid than others yeah um but you know when those dogs would move that track during the day i mean we're talking full-blown sun been on it for eight hours and we're moving it through rocks and stuff and it's like I said, it's not at a good pace but we are progressing and your trackers are verifying that these dogs are on track too um when we when we could yeah 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 when we could but the verifying it actually was it was interesting so we chased the same tom three days in a row and uh 
and the first day we we run him we got him jumped and end up in these great great big rocks i mean massive so we're trying to figure out the dogs can't get up there right and i'm looking at him like i can i can get up there right but 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 in (laughs) in my mind i'm thinking too all right this is not a mountain lion if i go up there and run right up on top of this leopard it's not going to end good for me either and uh Anyhow, that being said, I ha- you know got to listen to my guide. He says that's not safe to crawl in there. I'd put a fifty-fifty. You're pretty <laughs> scrappy. I don't know if I want to tangle with a leopard. Uh, anyhow, so we 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 had this leopard caught way up in these big rocks. He climbed actually a tree and then jumped from the tree to the rocks to get to get where he was at. So we're trying to figure out what to do about it, right? And and these a pack of baboons comes in like twenty baboons. No way. Yeah, and they're mean. Like they'll go, they'll go fight them dogs. Oh, really? Yeah, they'll tear them up. Like wow. did, the the handler didn't want nothing to do with them baboons fighting the dogs. They'll actually go to the dogs. Yeah, they were they were there to fight the dogs. That's why oh, they came in. Wow, it, no way! It's like wolves coming in to yeah. to a pack of dogs here. That's what these wow. baboons did. Uh. And um, are they protected? No. And we <laughs> we considered eliminating all of them. But there was more of them. Why than, did you just consider it? <laughs> well, there was more of them than what we had rounds for the rifles. Oh. Is what? Here's what I'm being. I'm telling you what I was told. Right. And if we <laughs> if we get rid of them, the others are still going to be a problem. So. So you guys. So basically, what you're saying is you need to pack more rounds. We do. Yeah. yeah so a start, lot. Start bringing you a Ruger 10-22 and whacking them. Right. I think I'd opt for like a 12 gauge with an extended tube on it. That worked too. Yeah. But, uh, street sweeper. So, anyhow, yeah. So, that same time we run three days in a row that day, we put him in the rocks. I said, you know what? The roads are good around here. We'll let him come out and try to cut him again. And we cut him again the next day. And he'd obviously moved early and we trailed all through the night, all through the next day. And so, tra- you didn't even go back to camp. You guys just stayed on him. No, we went back to camp because okay. this was like early afternoon when we when we quit for the day. Yeah, um, trailed him again all next day and got. I went forever. We went and it's just one of them tracks. You know, we've gone so far. We've got to jump him. We got to jump him. We got to jump him. Never did track burned off again. And what's interesting is um, just verification that they were them dogs were moving that track. Is there was one more rock pile i mean there's lots of rock piles but there was one more and then a road and uh and that next day we cut his track coming out of that next rock pile crossing that road and and the guy uh, a local that lived right there actually come out and said hey hey are you guys hunting he goes last night the baboons and those rocks were going crazy and the the uh ingue that's what they they call the, the leopard the ingue he moved through here last night that's another good dog name ingue yeah yeah so anyhow yeah i mean it's a long story to say that's kind of confirmed you know day after day so so do the so the baboons knew that he was in the rock pile and they were messing with him and that's how the local knew so those those baboons when the when the cats move those baboons will bark at them like yell at them it's hard to explain the sound but they just right you can hear i was going to ask you to do it so thank you good you know once is free it'll cost you next time <laughs> but but there was a, a female that lived right around camp a female leopard and you could hear her every night where she was moving and you'd hear the next night that baboons and start up right where she left off the night before and just travel around um wow 
yeah, it's it's pretty darn interesting. That that's very interesting. Yeah, but uh, but back to the dogs, you know the mm-hmm. the you know kind of just like what I call the old fashioned dog, just great big track to track, uh, you know, long eared ball mouth hounds is kind of what what this guy had, gotcha. and uh, so when when how many leopards did you catch and actually see while you were there? You want to know the grand total? Mm-hmm. Zero. Really. 100% zero. Yep. Um, you know, and that's that's the way hunting goes sometimes, right? Like, it's not guaranteed. And it wasn't for lack of effort. Uh, we we tra- I didn't mean to blow up blow up the <laughs> podcast there and that's, tell everybody you didn't kill a leopard. That's why it's called hunting. Yeah. But I wanted to kind of get an idea, you know, if you had any engagements and how the leopard reacted to hounds. And, and did you get any experience like that at all? Unfortunately, no. Um you know, the uh, one thing I really wanted, even more so than pulling the trigger on one, because that's checkmate, right? When you get the right. opportunity to pull the trigger, you've won. I wanted to hear a leopard, because I don't know if you've ever heard videos of them, but they, the, whatever glutteral roar. Terrifying. I, oh, it's just, I, you know, I think it'd make the hair stand up on your neck. Yeah. And I re- that was what I was most looking forward I, to. I think I heard that this morning when Chris showed up <laughs> to go hunting that's right let's did, roll did you did you let a glitteral roar <laughs> no uh but yeah you know that's, that's we kinda... didn't realize shorty was gonna sleep in this morning no it's like we're leaving here at five i come down here at 10 to 5 and shorty's still in his underwear and yeah but i was <laughs> i was making dinner yeah <laughs> that's true i was true. yeah thank goodness man i'm telling you at least we got that's good we got dinner before midnight mountain lions too that's right. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. With yeah. with nopales, nopalitos. Which is? Cactus. Cactus. Yeah. It was really good. Really good. Yeah. No, that's that's so intriguing, man. That's, that's, oh, I, I, I so admire your, that whole hunt and, and, and getting to go experience all that and stuff. Like, I, man. So. I, I'd love, I'd love to go. That's one thing I w- I would love to go do. That's yeah. that's a jaguar and leopard. Those are those are my bucket list. And, For sure. Uh, so that's and you know what? I'm kind of glad that you didn't. Yeah. Actually, because now you you probably want to go back. Oh yeah, I'm gonna go back. I, I and I'll, I'll get a leopard. Right. I, I don't. Right. You know, that's just my attitude towards everything. Sometimes failing first right. is the best thing that can happen. Because now you're more determined, and, and granted, I, I'm not. Go, that's that's with life. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know things are better when you work for them and they don't come easy. Right. Uh, it's not particularly the funnest route, but it is better. It, it whether well, it's more rewarding, right? You yeah. didn't win the you didn't win the world championship in PBR the first year you were in it, did you? No, they wouldn't yeah. let me. <laughs> no, no, they wouldn't let me. <laughs> no, it's a rule, yeah. right? Uh, but you know what? Like, I loved the experience of going over there. I mean, Absolutely. I could totally be disappointed about it, right? Like, oh, I spent this money and I didn't get what I went for. That wasn't even what I went for. I went for right. the experience. Sure. Right? And I tell you what, running around at night chasing leopards behind dogs and you've got mambas and baboons <laughs> and all this stuff. I mean, it's just a different world, yeah. right? And right. that's that's what I went there for and and, you know. Cat or no cat, well, I, I got well, I got what I went for. for I think you hit part. on something that was key there that separates houndsmen from other hunters. I mean, how many trees have you walked to where 
you didn't take the you you know you didn't take the animal you yeah, know tons we're tons. not there for that experience that's that that's has zero to do with it and that's like i i couldn't even tell you the last time i actually harvested a lion yeah i don't i don't care to ever do it again ever it's not because i look down on it it's not because it, all i want is that i want the hound work that that's what gets right. you know that's what I enjoy. I you're enjoy. Pit, you're pitting your wits and your experience and your work through your hounds against this animal that's got all the odds in their favor. They know the right. terrain. They're, I mean, they're wild animals, so they live out there every day. And and you're bringing your world and trying to make those two worlds come together, right? To have that experience and that interaction with wildlife, and it's 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 really unique. And I feel the same way. I could go to. I could go. To Zimbabwe and chase leopards, and and I don't want to do the go through the headaches of CITES tags and permits and and all that other stuff getting them back here, and then because if you you got you got you got to have like a you know the I don't even know what a leopard full body mount would cost. I bet it'd be Ooh. ten to fifteen grand. Oh yeah, it's a lot cheaper if you go and don't don't shoot nothing. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. but it doesn't <laughs> cost nothing. But you, I'm with you. You know, you want to yeah. get a leopard just so you can. That's the the ticket, and I think that's that part of us is still there. Oh yeah. no, absolutely. Yeah. I 100 percent would have been fine with just catching a leopard and letting him go. 100. percent I'm the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Leopards are hard. It's tough over there anyway because they've got the so many tags and and strict regulations. Or they're pretty heavily protected and regulated stuff like that. Um, uh, does Adrian offer any green hunts where you can go over and dart leopards and no, no, but we were talking about that actually. So Adrian's a lot like us, right? Like he loves the hound work. All that stuff is what drives. He's always sending me great pictures. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just, that's what drives him, right? He loves his dogs and he loves the hound work. And, um, and we actually discussed that. So he's from South Africa mm-hmm. and they can't run leopard in South Africa with right. dogs. And we were discussing ways that he could run leopard down there, whether it's um, through studies, collaring these leopards, or even or even whether it be in Zimbabwe, Botswana, or South Africa, doing picture safaris, and actually targeting females, because the females aren't nearly as aggressive. They typically tree instead of fighting on the ground. Um, it's just a lot uh, better scenario to right. do that in, right? Um, and I hope, he, I hope he gets something figured out. I mean, I yeah. think that could be really cool. And honestly, there uh, a lot of the, like the locals' attitudes towards leopards is they don't want, is they want them gone, right? Because right. they're a threat to their their livelihood, their food source. Mm-hmm. They're a threat to their health. Um, and and you know if we can create more benefit to having them around, which is obviously the the North American model of hunting that as applied in Africa has been hugely successful. Um, but specifically on the on the houndsman side of things the benefit of using hounds to interact with this wildlife right um because in in africa the only two countries that's legal to to use dogs in is zimbabwe and botswana mm-hmm. well ivan carter always sums it up real well you know he talked about adding value he said when you add value to wildlife then you keep it on the landscape and gavin yep. lippius has been on the podcast before and we talked extensively about if if you don't have the if you don't have the the 
big game outfitting. What the hell are you doing? What are you doing over there? Just kick it around, Shorty. He's got to wash his feet yeah. again. <laughs> <laughs> the paint was starting to peel off the walls. <laughs> but but Gavin talked about that. He's like, if if we don't, then then if there's no value for the local economy for those animals, they're going to industrialize, they're going to farm, and the wildlife's going to suffer. So that goes to the whole trophy hunting argument. You know, trophy hunting is what saved it our wildlife in this country you know trophy hunters got together they're the they're the ones and and again we allowed uh the anti-hunters to hijack the narrative on that and make it a dirty word when we need to spend more time talking about it and educating people on what it actually is especially in places like africa yeah because it's for real there if they if if they don't have that wildlife, they're going to bring cattle in there, and they're going to overgraze it, and they're going to do all kinds of stuff, and, and then your wildlife suffers. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the thing I think gets overlooked on that, the whole trophy hunting with the negative connotation it's gotten is people think, oh, it's just trophy hunting. You're just after the the trophy, right? Well, think about this. Say, and i got nothing against meat hunters whatsoever, like, I'll, you know, but if you're a trophy hunter, you're putting in way more time and effort and and uh you know just everything is tenfold to find a trophy right and and when i say trophy i'm talking about a mature animal whereas a meat hunter you can shoot the first legal animal you see a young young buck or a young female right. or whatever whatever you're after um i would argue that tr- you know quote unquote trophy hunting is better for the population than anything i i would 100% agree the only thing, I just hate the term. I hate the term too, and it's just because there's of the no way better way to describe it. Yeah, but I hate the term because yep. the anti's have used that against us. Yeah, that's what I. Well, it, it got a hijack because Teddy it, Roosevelt it, it, exactly. Teddy Roosevelt, when they started started the the Boone and Crockett Club, they were trophy hunters exactly, and they called themselves trophy. But, hunters. but here's the thing: is if you look at trophy hunting, okay, trophy hunting, you're harvesting the biggest, best animal. Mm-hmm. In 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 that atmosphere, he's already he's already made his contribution to the genetic makeup of that herd. Right. If he's gotten to the trophy level, he already possesses his genetics to produce strong, healthy individual animals, and he's already bred females all across the landscape. Correct. But let's even go back further than that. Mm-hmm. Let's go way back in time. If you go way back in time, we're going back to the Plasticine. Pretty close. Yeah. Folsom man. Yep. Going back to the Folsom Man. And right if you here. haven't looked up Folsom Man, um, I'm just going to plug Folsom Man because I think it's really cool. Yeah. Look up Folsom, the Folsom Man site, the Folsom Man, whatever. It's right here on the ranch. It's it's a very cool story. But anyway, go back to that. Go back to that era, and and when you when those people were going to go, if there was animals out there to be harvested for meat. You were going to take the biggest, healthiest animal because that was going to provide the best meat. Right. And so that has trickled down through generations. You always took the biggest, healthiest animal because that provided the best protein. So trophy hunting, I think I, it's a, I just, I hate the term of it, but it, it has been going on for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. If you had a, if you had ten animals to choose from, are you gonna shoot the weakest? Sorry, and back then it was spear or 
or arrow it, the the weakest, most pathetic animal in the herd. If you were hungry enough, you would. Yes, but if you had, if all of them, if you had the same shot opportunity on every one of them, you're going to take the healthiest one Always. because that's going to provide the best meat. So wolves do the same thing. I don't care what anybody says. Everybody it, says, "Oh, wolves only kill the sick and the weak." That's they've got that's to expend. BS. They've got to expend the same amount of energy to catch the weakest one as they do the healthiest. and the big one. Yes. The one that's going to provide the most food, yeah, an opportunity, opportunity for sure. And we could sidetrack the whole conversation yeah. with that one, but yeah. Anyways, so I, I, I just, I want to just clarify that I know exactly what you're saying, Cody. I just, I hate the term, and I want to clarify that because the the antis have hijacked it. But you're right. Trophy hunting has totally, and I actually listen, and I, I can't recite where it came from, but I actually listened to a podcast. From a, a South African woman who was a, a a lion biologist who is completely pro trophy hunting mm-hmm. because it has saved the lions. And yeah, so, it put it put value on that. Lion. Exactly. So while I hate the term, it is still a very healthy way to manage wildlife. Yep. Yep. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. What were some of the biggest? Uh, some high points of the trip for you? Oh, the, uh, the travel. Yeah, the travel, <laughs> not so much. Um, the high points is, is honestly seeing the country, seeing the new country. What was it like? I mean, I know you said the sand, the, it was sandy soil. Yeah. So, Other well, than I mean, that, what? give well, us some vegetation so descriptions. Everything has thorns. Oh, everything. South Texas. <laughs> That's, you know what? And I told that guy, I said, this is a lot like South Texas. Because everything has thorns, the vegetation is thick, and uh, and yeah, there's a there's a plant there. I can't remember the African name they called it, but it's like a, a vine, right? And it's got like fish hook type thorns in it. We call those wait a minute bush. That's what they call them. Oh no, kidding! Yeah, got, oh, I'll be dang. Yeah, get, came get, from South Texas. Yeah, well, when you hit it, you wait. It's a like whoa, wait a minute. Yeah, <laughs> you got to back up, and, and it like wraps around your legs yep. and arms. Yeah, and I has to. I got stuck in it one night. And I asked them, I said, what is this junk I had stuck on me, the fish hook things? And they're like, oh, that's such and such. Wait a minute. I'm right. like, what? And they're like, yeah, it's called wait a minute. <laughs> that's funny. So, yeah. Crazy. Apparently, yeah, like, apparently uh, Zimbabwe and South Texas are similar. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> um, but, you know, I thought that was was one of the biggest high points. It's just right, seeing a new, a new mm. totally different country and being able to hunt there. And being able to to follow dogs that you know are doing what they're bred to do, and right. and and after an animal that is just I think is one of the coolest things on the oh, planet. Oh my god, yes. Um, navigating snakes actually, as much as I didn't want to get bit by a mamba, that was. That did, was you, did you see any snakes? Oh yeah, we saw six mambas and a, oh wow, and a, a yeah, cobra. I'm out. Nope. I'm so not going. we were went to hang bait one day. Uh, we were hanging up some new baits, and uh, I just six to eight feet from me i heard something kind of moving through the... did you kill them no they're fast oh. fast fast they'll just... i don't care how fast they are what, did what, you what? shoot at them i didn't have a gun well on me did they shoot at them no no like, oh my god no nobody carried guns around unless we were after a after a leopard you know oh. um but yeah six eight feet away i hear something kind of moving in the in the grass there and i look over and I, I couldn't even get the words out of my mouth i was trying to tell him big mamba i whatever i said probably sounded like gibberish but this thing <laughs> was 
enormous, and I knew exactly what it was. Unfortunately, it was heading away from us. But I mean, you talk about fast. They said you make one mad, they'll chase you, and you can't hardly I, get away. I've heard that. Can't hardly get away from them, and yeah. I believe it when you see how quick they are. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Oh my God. But you know, seeing all different wildlife. You know, like I was seeing uh, giraffes and zebra, wildebeest. Um, no elephant. We actually did hunt elephant one night though. Uh, they had some problem elephants and most people don't mm. know this, but I'll preface the story with this is yeah. in, um, Zimbabwe and Botswana has a huge, huge elephant population and they yes. have a lot of problems with them and they're issued uh PAC tags but for $5 a month. You can help save the African, <laughs> African elephant. Yeah. Cody, if be. you watch the, watch the commercials, I guess. Uh, but these, uh, so they issued these PAC tags, uh, problem, problem animal control. Yes. Justin McBride, I think, actually participated in one of those. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so anyhow, one night, these, the, this is a new hunting concession that they just leased, this, this outfit. And this local village there, I mean, it's a big, big area. And they kept calling and said, we have problems with these elephants. Please mm-hmm. come help us. Please come help us. And they're like, right. if you want to, you know. It was next to nothing. They said, if you want to come help these guys. It's next to nothing. Only 25000 No, not even. Oh, wow. Like 3500 bucks. Oh, wow. And, I th- and you know, I didn't have a whole lot of interest in hunting an elephant. But I got right. to think for, I'll never have that opportunity again. Yeah. yeah, you can't do that in Colorado. No. No. I mean, you you try, but they kick you out of the zoo every time. <laughs> <laughs> it just never fails. Uh, so anyhow we go down to this village is like five hours away and uh, they have these cornfields that these elephants were tearing up and a villager would sleep in the cornfield with a drum every night and when those elephants would come they'd bang on the drum and try to run them off which it didn't work Um, so we just slept in on the ground there in the cornfield um, waiting for the drums and then we were going to go to the elephants and they never showed up and obviously we're after leopards so we went back to that but uh but that was kind of a highlight, you know. I yeah. don't know, hunting elephant in a yeah. stinking eight foot tall cornfield that'd yeah. be pretty intense. And yeah. I and I'm gonna get us off track a little bit here, but like when McBride was over there, he was hunting uh other game. They actually had a elephant raid a village no and actually like hurt people. Oh. And so they called same deal. They mm. called like, Hey, we need help. Yeah. And so he got to participate in that. So but it just sounds like a really wild place that Mm -hmm. that is just full of adventure and experience and and you know it's like first time you go to disney world or something you know everywhere you look it's something new and you're just kind of that's how i I think i'd be if i got there yeah and it changes so quickly i mean just like the u.s right you can drive and the the scenery changes a lot right and it was like that you know where we were hunting leopard it's you know big rock piles and dense vegetation and all this stuff and then where we're at with the elephants it's more open arid and granted it's more populated there's a lot of grazing there mm-hmm. um the the land has been abused a little bit more mm-hmm. so i got a question for you. if you could go back which you're going to go back and take your own hounds what hounds would you take and why if I was to go back, I would love to take my own hounds just because it's, you know, you always want to see what your own dogs could right. do. Um, I would take a couple of my coldest nose dogs that I personally would have and some fast dogs. And I'm, I'm going to get into a little, a little more on this story in a mm-hmm. minute. But, um, 
you know, I feel like in those rocks, right, we, you need something to cut that distance and time quickly. And and that's a lot of what I hunt here is, is those rocks. And so, you know, some cold-nosed dogs and some fast dogs, I think, would really get the job done. You get them jumped and put some pressure on them. Can, um, can a cold-nosed dog be fast? They can. Unf- wow, Mythbuster. Wow. I've I've seen it. My... My cold-nosed dogs are a little bit slower on a jump track. They just get outran. But as far as when it comes to cold trailing, they can still be fast. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, so that being said, that I mean, that's what I think, personally. Yeah, sure. Like, I've been over no, there for a, a week. When <laughs> so. we fail, that I think that's, to me, that's the intriguing part of being a houndsman. Like, when we fail, what do I need to do? What, what... Was it was it me? Was it the dogs? Where am I lacking? Where do I need to add? Da, 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 da. So you're always trying to improve what you have to be able to be successful. It's much like when you got bucked off. Yeah, what, fix the where problem. Where did I fix the problem? Like, mm-hmm. okay, it's it's simple. Fix the problem. So that's why I ask the question that and 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 I think that's where. A lot of people may 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 not look deep enough into it. Like, okay, where where is the problem? Like, yeah, we need. I need faster dogs. I need this. I need that. So that that that's intriguing to me. That that would be what you would take. Yeah. Like, you're not going to take the fighting dogs. You're not going. You're going to take a cold nose fast dog back over there. Yeah. If that's what you had to. If, yeah, if you and, if you only take part of them, you know what I mean. You're going to take yeah. the. And I feel like some of the are a little bit smaller dogs navigate those rocks a little bit better. You gotcha. Know? Um, but so to to add on to that story though, on how how they hunt, they only run those those colder nose track driving dogs, uh, by themselves, and and they hold their their the rest of the dogs back. And what was interesting is uh is adrian he actually had um the rest of the dogs in the truck right and when it was time he'd have his guy at the truck dump out the rest of them to join the race uh i've never hunted like that like when i hunt them all my dogs go and and so that was kind of interesting right but to add to that uh the second pack that we hunted with they actually do take all their dogs with them and they have everything leashed up and they're leading them behind until they get that leopard jumped, and then they let the rest go. Okay. Um, so that was interesting to see. Sure. And and another thing that was interesting on that second pack where they had them all leashed up the whole time on the hunt, but holding them back, is um, they would whistle to to the the dogs that were hunting. How'd they whistle? I don't know. I'd have oh, to show you Oh, come on, video. man. You, you gave us so many sound effects <laughs> earlier. I thought you were going to nail the whistle. I was a, I was a leopard. I, yeah. I can't be a, a whistler now. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but uh, I don't, I didn't 100% understand it. But to me, watching, it seemed like they were telling those dogs to hunt further out or closer in by the way they were whistling to them. Okay. And it was the local, the local so ha- like, handlers that were doing it. It'd be similar like the, the, the old school foxhound when they blow the certain. Yep. Yeah. 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 Neat. But I'll show you some videos. It'll, you'll get a lot better, <laughs> a lot better grasp of what it sounded like. No, I wanted to hear it from you. It sounded like a small bird. I don't know. Yeah, I got you. Uh, 
but yeah, you know, it's fascinating to see how people, oh, different man. people, different cultures, and everything hunt their dogs. You know, and were there were there some common threads? Did you did you get some common threads there between? our culture and their culture yeah yeah i think you know the common thread and you're gonna see that with most houndsmen is just the love of the dogs and the love of pursuing the game um you know it was never with those guys it was never about you know a kill it was about the pursuit right and uh and matching wits with something that that did you did you feel that there was a mutual bond between okay so they take hunters for a living. So all kinds of people. All kinds of people. And there's the the fat guy from New York City and there's the whatever, the rich guy from Boston, all this stuff. They take people for a living. That they take them all. Did you feel like there was a bond between you and them that you appreciated the 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 sport of the of hunting a hound versus taking other other people or oh absolutely yeah you know we we can talk hounds and hunting and and all the different styles of dogs and this and that all day long they probably had a heyday yeah yeah and and adrian's a younger guy than me too and so it was kind of different damn and you're old (laughs) uh (laughs) so you know having a a younger houndsman that's just as passionate about all that stuff was pretty cool but yeah the bond was there and and I, i maybe i'm Maybe I'm speaking out of place or not, but I feel like he had a funner time hunting with a houndsman. That's what I. That's yeah. kind of yeah. what I was. Yeah. I, I knew that's what you were alluding to. Yes, there. yes, uh, yes. Yeah, and honestly, he told. I mean, he told me like this has been one of the funnest hunts I've ever had, and we right. didn't even catch a leopard. And I was like, right. Yeah, I totally and, agree. But he understood that you knew the. You like, know the score before you go in. Yeah. Not every hunt's successful. Right. You know, I'm right. sure he's got guys you're talking about going out during the day and, and hanging baits with them and stuff. You were probably totally immersed in the whole process, whereas you get the banker, f- you know, from it's New like, York City. It's go like, hang my bait. Yeah, go hang my bait. I'm going to go back and, and right. hang out in camp and drink wine. And Yeah, right. yeah. I was I was wanting to be part of all of it. And even yeah. when we'd trail them, them cats and, and, and the – you know, Adrian had send everybody in the trucks. He'd go, all right, they're going to drive around to this road. He goes, you can jump in with them. I'm like, no, I'm going to walk with you. And, right. You know, away we go. I want to see it. I don't want to miss out yeah. on any of that stuff sitting right. in the truck. Um, right. So, yeah, it, it's a good time. It, and I like the fact that he was down for it, too, because sure. especially, I mean, I, Chris, I know you a little bit. Jordy, I know you real well, and you know know me well enough. Like, I'm down to go. Like, we're going to go in the worst oh. place on the mountain? Let's go. No, yeah, don't try to hike with him yeah <laughs> period i'm just gonna tell you the first time we ever hunted together i learned that i was like i'm out <laughs> now there's plenty better hikers than me but no but i like well there probably is but i'm not i'm not playing with <laughs> them either, but. Yep. but uh but that was fun because because he he never had that either you right. know he's like all right, right. yeah like oh my god we yeah. got somebody that actually wants to participate yeah like yeah. let's go yeah let's get it done yeah what a neat what a neat, neat experience. Man, yeah, sure. it was. I mean, I'm glad to do it. And like I said, it was not cheap, and I had to sell cattle to pay for it. But it's worth it, right? I mean, the the, sure. the cat is the cat. That experience, though, man, that was it was really cool. And uh, and I'll, I'll go again for sure. Good deal, man. Good deal. Well, I think we can probably put a lid on this thing for this this adventure. I'm glad you 
glad you came down, Cody, and shared your story with us. And I've been looking forward to it for a long time. <laughs> well, I'm glad to share it. And, uh, yeah, we'll have to do it again sometime. Maybe next time we'll uh, we'll have some new adventures. Yeah, you bet. I you definitely bet. will. Shorty's definitely going to have a lot of new adventures here in his, his new digs, that's for sure. Absolutely. I tell you, so, when you're lucky, you're lucky, huh? Yeah. yeah. I've only been lucky a couple times in my life, but I feel lucky now. Yeah, no doubt. Well, make sure you're checking out uh, all our stuff. over. If you're a Patreon member, check out all the work that Seth is doing over on Patreon. He drops a tailgate talk every week. There's all kinds of discount codes for our Patreon supporters for Foundsman XP, and those are deep discount codes um, that on gear that you need anyway so you can find also make sure you're shopping with our sponsors that support our show you can find all those at houndsmanxp.com and uh, just click on that partners tab and then every one of those every one of those sponsors supports this show because they believe in what we want to do or what we do and and what we want to do in the future and keep it alive so guys that's all i got for this episode of the houndsman xp podcast This is Fair Chase.